He still moved stones, and he just didn't do that over 2,000 years ago. He does it um, even today, and that's what we're going to be able to talk about uh, today. Before I start, I want to share with you a story of uh, yesterday. Um, I was in Coles over in um, Wilmington, Billbrook, whatever that is over there, and um, made my purchase and was checking out, and the girl that checked me out, she said, Happy Easter. And I replied, thank you, or Happy Easter. I don't remember how I replied. And then as I was walking out, I thought, man, you know, we hear during the Christmas time, we hear all this war that's on Christmas. You know, and you're not supposed to say Merry Christmas, you know, you only say season's greetings or happy holidays. And schools now, they don't longer have a Christmas break. They have a winter break, and they don't want major scenes on government property and all of that kind of stuff. And I thought to myself, well, the scoffers and the skeptics, they really shouldn't have a war on Christmas. If they want to really battle Christianity, they ought to have a war on Easter because that's the crux of the whole matter. Because if not for what we remember today, this all thing, all this thing goes down the tubes. Paul wrote uh, that our preaching and my preaching today, let's put it in personal, my preaching today, Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, my preaching today is useless. He said it's in vain if Christ not be raised from the dead. He says later on that very same chapter, if Christ not be raised from the dead, let's just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Today is the crux of the whole matter. And if not for today, let's just eat, drink, and be merry. Well, don't, isn't there a lot of good um, teachings in here? And blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, do unto others, da 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 Yeah, yeah. But that person that said all those things would have been proved to have been a liar because he said he was going to raise be raised up after he, was, uh, after he was crucified. That person that said all those good things would have been proved to be a liar because he said that he was God. And so he would have been no more than any other good teacher that had come along unless it is absolutely true that the bones had not been found and the stone was rolled away. Don't ever let anyone deceive you. Today is the crux of the whole issue. And that's why it's the biggest Sunday of the year. That's why we sing, we sung louder today than we have all year long. Because there's something in us that we, we know that he lives. And I just wanted to be able to say something I say every single Easter Sunday. It's built on today. And if the bones of Jesus be found, this thing's all over. You know, and you know what? If they had found the bones, it'd be all over CNN. I mean, they'd be splashing it because it would be over. My philosophy of religion professor at Asbury Seminary one day was praying to start our class, and he prayed, and then he said amen, and then you could tell he was choked up, and he couldn't go on. And there was silence, and it seemed like it was forever. It seemed like it was five minutes. I'm sure it was only like a minute. But he just couldn't gather himself because he was choked up. Now, what we later found out that his wife left him that day. And after he regained his composure, after being choked up for however long it was, after he regained his composure, he says, 
this world makes no sense apart from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because there's no way that anyone can logically explain why bad things happen to good people. There's, there's no way why you can explain why some people go through a horrible tragedy in their lives. There's no way you can explain why of the seeming injustice in this world. There's no way any, any theologian can explain away all that apart from the fact that this world is not our home. And we are just passing through. And there will be a day that somehow, that I can't ever explain to you, will make sense of all this. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, he says, if I can remember it, uh, therefore we do not lose hope. Though, listen, though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Listen, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Now, I don't know what you're going through today, but in the eyes of eternity, the Apostle Paul calls them light and momentary. I don't mean at all to demean the cancer you're going through. I don't mean at all to demean the lousy husband you're married to. I don't mean at all to demean the lousy wife you're married to, just to play both sides of that equation, all right? I don't mean at all to demean the months and months and even years that you've been out of work. But in the light of eternity, the apostle Paul says they are light and momentary. Outside of the resurrection of Jesus, all of this thing crumbles and falls apart. So happy Easter to you. And we want to talk today how he still moves stones in our lives. If you have a Bible, would you open it, please, to the Gospel of Mark? If you don't have one and you're close to the doors, we have some uh, bookcases that are close to the doors and they have Bibles in them. Go ahead and grab those, please. If you grab a black Bible, that just means you grab one with a little smaller print. If you grab the red one that has larger print, page 713 uh, and page, uh, in the black Bible and page 1588 in the red Bible, we're in the 16th chapter of the gospel of mark the 16th chapter of the gospel of mark all the gospels have easter stories and i'm going to read both from mark's account and i'm going to also read from john's account of that first easter morning mark chapter 16 the bible says when the sabbath was over and in Bible times, the Sabbath was Friday at 6 o'clock to Saturday at 6 o'clock. We've confused that in our world many times, and we think the Sabbath is Sunday. Not at all. Not at all. Every time the Sabbath is referred to in Scripture, like keep the Sabbath holy, they're referring to their Sabbath day. Orthodox Jews worship on Saturday. And so Friday night at 6 to Saturday night at 6 was the Sabbath for them. Every time the Bible mentions Sunday, it speaks to the first day of the week. That's what it calls it, the first day of the week. So when the Sabbath was over, that would have been Saturday night at 6 o'clock. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on, there it is, very early on the first day of the week. 
Sunday, early that Sunday morning, probably pretty early, not like even seven, probably pretty early that first Sunday morning. And what do you do with your grief but stay busy? You know, you, you, when you're grieving, you've lost, you're, you've lost someone or, you, or you're discouraged and hope is gone. Many times we try to deal with that by keeping busy and doing something. And these women are going to do what they feel like they need to do, and that's go to uh, anoint Jesus' body, which was the tradition of the day. Verse 2, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb after they asked each other who, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. They asked each other who will roll the stone away from the entrance to the tomb. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. So here's the ladies. They want to feel like they want to do something. They want to feel like they need to do what is right. And what is right is to anoint the body like any dead person's body would have been anointed in the tradition of the day. And so they gather the spices together and they go anoint the body. And somewhere along the walk from wherever they started from to wherever, wherever the tomb was, they remembered, hey, there's a stone in front of that tomb. Now, how did they know that? Because there was a stone in front of any tomb in that day and time. It was, this was the tradition of the day. You put a stone there to keep animals out. You put a stone there to keep grave robbers out. It was the tradition of the day. And that stone was large, one ton, maybe two tons. And it wasn't just something simple to be able to roll, but added to the fact that where that stone lay, they, they, they dug out a little, um, I don't know what it's called. I want to say a hole, but that's not right. Help me. Trench, thank you. I'm, I have a master's degree, you know. They dug, out, they dug out a little trench, and they set that stone down in the little trench. So not only is it heavy, it's stuck down in here, and so you've got to lift up before you be able to put some muscle to it. So it's a common thing for these ladies. Who's going to move the stone? Who's going to move? We, there's a stone. What are we doing? I mean, and it would have been easy for those ladies on that first Easter morning to be able to say, well, there's a stone. I mean, we can't, the three of us, I mean, we can't move that. Well, I guess let's, let's go back. I mean, well, God knows our hearts were good. We, we, had, we had good motives. We, but, you know, reason tells us there's no way that we, we might as well just go back and go to bed. But the scripture says they kept walking. Scripture says they just didn't think it through and, you know, there's no way we can move this stone. Scripture says they kept walking and when they eventually ended up to the tomb, they saw that the stone had been rolled away. Now, friends, there's a spiritual principle there. There's a spiritual principle there. For stones to be removed in our lives, we have to put faith behind our belief and we have to keep walking. And we have to believe that somehow, I don't know how, how's the stone, I don't know, but let's keep walking. I don't know how, maybe, I don't know how the miracle, I don't know, but let's keep walking. They could have just said, well, I, I, let's just go back home. And No, they kept walking, friends. And they put shoe leather with their faith. And God responded to their faith. And they got there and they saw a sight that they'd never seen before. And they saw a sight that they never forgot. And they saw a sight that we're reading about here today. Friends, if you want stones to be removed from your life, you got to do what you know is right to do. What was the right thing to do? Anoint the body. 
let's just keep on going. And wow, Jesus honored their faith. God honored their faith, and they saw a sight that only few people were able to be able to see. Friends, stones are moved as a response to our faith. Stones are moved as we keep... We don't move them ourselves. God can come down and do an absolute miracle apart from our faith. Amen, absolutely, no question. But it seems like in today's time, those miracles are done as a response to our faith. 44 times in the Gospels, Jesus heals somebody or he feeds somebody or he does some kind of miracle. All but four of those times, the person has exercises faith. All but four of those times, the person comes to Jesus, asks Jesus something. It's just not Jesus just doing something on his own without anybody else involved. He can do that. God can do that today for any of us, but it seems like it's in response to our faith. The, the ladies kept walking, friends. They kept walking. Some of you are some of you are going through difficult times and you don't know what to do. God, I just need a miracle. God, I just need you to remove this stone. I need you to remove this big barrier. God, would you come and do a miracle for me? And while that's an unbelievably great prayer, what does that mean that I do? Just sit there? And... No. I put my faith in action. And I do what I know to do. I don't know. Maybe I got a lousy note. God, Sue is just so stubborn, and she's just, would you change Sue, God? Oh, I need a miracle, God. Oh, God, would you change her? She just thinks so differently than I do, God. Oh, would you just change her, God? Or I could love her like Christ loved the church. Or I could do what the Bible does, tells me to do, and says, love her, Mark, like Christ loved the church. And I wonder, as I keep walking and take the step of faith and do what I'm supposed to do and that's love her like Christ loves the church I wonder if the stone can start moving in our marriage some of you here today need to keep walking you don't know how that stone is going to be removed you have no clue how that stone is going to be removed I don't either keep doing the right thing keep walking keep exercising faith oh God I need a miracle in my finances oh I don't know, how, there is, there's just too much month at the end of the money. God, there's, I, just, I, I just need some miracle in this. I don't know how I'm going to make this mortgage payment. I got all these bills, right? I don't know. God, would you do a miracle? God may work a miracle in your life by finding you a second job. Don't like it? I didn't hear you, amen. I didn't hear you amens on that, Barry. What do you think about <laughs> God may do a miracle in your life by, by going to something like Financial Peace University. God may do a miracle. That's Holly who teaches Financial Peace University. <laughs> God may do a miracle in your life by convicting you of the importance of honoring God with his tithe. And it's just, oh God, would you just do a miracle and I'm just going to sit here and wait for you to... No. I need to keep walking. I need to put my faith in action and watch that stone of my finances be removed and things start getting in order again in my finances and maybe I can experience something that statistics tell us three, more than three out of four people don't experience and that's financial peace without having to worry about that. Oh, my kids are just nuts. 
I've just got no control over my kids. They're just, they, they don't seem like they have respect for me. And they, God, would you do a miracle in their lives? Would you straighten them up, oh God? Would you slap them upside the head, oh God? Would you do something, oh God? And as I pray that, which is good and wonderful to pray that, I can also maybe seek out a few other people in the church family who have raised kids and say, listen, I must have messed something up. Can you help me? Now, wow, that takes a lot of swallowing pride. But when you exercise that faith, when you humble yourself, watch the stone start to move. With the whole marriage thing, I don't want to go to any marriage seminar, a whole bunch of stuff, hokey pokey stuff, you know. But what if you just go? What if you just take a step of faith? What if you just do maybe what you feel like is right and watch God start turning, moving the stones? I'm here to tell you this morning that God still moves stones. I'm here to tell you this morning that sometimes he does that in a miraculous way. But it seems like I've been a Christian now since August of 1993. And as I've observed many other Christians in my role as a pastor, it seems like God moves stones in response to our faith. The ladies kept walking. How many of you here today who are Christian? You just need to keep walking. That stone has not been removed yet. But you need to keep walking. Well, what does that mean, Mark? I don't know what that means. That means what's the next right thing to do? Just do it. Well, I've already, I've, I've, I've done that. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Handle your life in a way that's pleasing to God and see if he doesn't take that faith as you step right, left, right, left over weeks and months and move stones in your life. There's some of you... Christians here that need to keep walking, but there's some of you here that have never made a profession of faith. I know it, and you know it. You're not a believer. Oh, you come to church, and but you've never, ever crossed the line of faith. You need to start walking. You need to start walking. What do you mean, Mark? I don't know. Start following Jesus. Well, I don't know much about the Christian life. What do you know about the Christian life? Whatever that is, start following. I don't know much about his teachings. That doesn't make any difference. Whatever you do know, start following. Open open the Bible. Come make an appointment with me. Start coming to a small group. Start coming to church every Sunday. Just start following. Start walking. And see if stones, probably not raced back, probably not thrown back, but inch by inch stones started moving in your life. I tell this to people every single day time in my office no matter what issue and the last issue I had just a, a week ago was someone with a pornography addiction and I said you didn't get in this hole overnight and you're not going to get out of it overnight that stone is going to move slowly but in a response to your faith God still moves stones last week for those of you that are visiting we're in a series on the Lord's Prayer and we, we've, we've stopped at this week for Easter and Last week we were on Lead Me Not Into Temptation. And I said, you can sit there and pray, lead me not into temptation to your blue in the faith. But what God wants to see is for you to keep walking. What God wants to see is for you to put some shoe leather behind your faith. 
And if you have a pornography addiction, for instance, buy a filter for your internet. If you have a pornography addiction, for instance, throw your computer out the window. Oh, that's pretty, that's pretty drastic, Mark. What? Is it more drastic than losing your marriage? Lead me not into temptation, but I'm not going to do anything to protect myself. God would look down at me and say, what? Oh, God, I just, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. Lead me not into temptation, oh, God. But I go out and rent an apartment above a bar. Above a bar. I used a silly, trivial example last week of my addiction to Krispy Kreme donuts. Oh, God, oh, God. Don't let me drive down Dorothy Lane and see that hot serve daily sign up there. Oh, God, lead me not into temptation. Well, I'm going to drive there. I'm just going to kind of look at the sign. I'm not going to go in. I'm just going to look at the sign. And Oh, the sign's not on. Well, I'll just kind of circle till the sign comes on. And God's saying, Mark, are you serious about this or not? Put some shoe leather to your prayer. Faith in action. Who's going to remove the stone? I don't know who's going to remove the stone. I don't know, but let's just keep walking because it's the right thing to do to anoint his body. And because of their faith, they saw something that very few people saw. The empty tomb. Christian, you need to keep walking? You need to keep walking? Some of you maybe need to start walking. Let's go to the Gospel of John and finish our sermon this morning. Gospel of John, chapter 20, please, verse 2. Gospel of John, chapter 20, verse 2. Before uh, I read that, let me put all I've just said about start walking and keep walking into a faith in action, into a little brief little principle. Without me, my faith, without me, God won't. Without God, I can't. Did you get that? That's the little, little cheesy little statement right there, but it's true. Without me, my faith, God won't. Without God, I can't. So keep walking. Start walking. John chapter 20. John chapter 20, verse 2. So she, and she refers to Mary Magdalene. In John's gospel, he just talks about one of the ladies. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Why is she running? She saw what she saw, and she's running back to tell the disciples. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. The other disciple is the author of this gospel, John. He always referred to himself as the other disciple or the one that Jesus loved. I don't know why he did that. He just always did. Um, the, one, uh, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Verse 3. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, and the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked 
uh, in the strips uh, and looked in the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Verse 6. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. Look at the detail that is there. Now, this is an actual eyewitness. John was an eyewitness to that empty tomb. Okay, Apostle Paul was not an eyewitness. If Apostle Paul writes anything like this, he would have had to either been told by the disciples or miraculously given some information by God. This is an eyewitness, and he said it was... Even the one that was around his head was folded neatly on the side. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Verse 8, finally the other disciple who had reached the term first also went inside. He saw and believed. John was thought to be a late teenager, early 20s. Okay, He and Peter get told by Mary. They bolt out for the tomb. All right, John's a... A young guy, he runs ahead of Peter. Peter's an older guy. He's got a Krispy Kreme donut gut like me. And he can't go there. And he gets, <gasps> and here comes Peter. And what Peter finds is John at the edge of the tomb. I wouldn't have gone in either, to be quite honest with you. I'd have been scared to death. But Peter, in Peter's personality that we read all through the gospel, he just bold writing. And Peter sees. And because Peter goes in, John has a little confidence, and John steps into the tomb. And the scripture says, John, writing about himself, he saw and believed. On this Easter Sunday morning, where we have our regular church family, where we have first-time visitors, where we have people on all levels of faith, people that have been Christians for 60 years and people that have been Christians for... Uh, we got, I know we have someone in this church that's been a Christian for one week and then some of you that are, have not made a statement of faith and a profession of faith yet. I imagine some of you on that whole gamut of faith that we have listed here, some of you are like John and you're timid and you're peering in and you just think that the answers to the problems in your life may be Jesus, but you're just not really sure, and you're just kind of, you're kind of looking in. You're, you haven't crossed the threshold. You, there's something in you that wants to cross the threshold, but you're afraid. You don't, those Christians, they're nuts, and I don't know if I want to be one of them. And, 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 and you're timid. And you're timid. And I get that. And every person in this room that is a Christian gets that. Because the step to be able to take a step in and believe is a tough step to take sometimes. I don't know, what's it mean to be a Christian? I don't know, that's scary. What, what's, what happens if I go in with both feet? That's scary. I mean, I mean am, I, am, I, am I going to be, am I, have to, am I have to going to go to Papua New Guinea to be a missionary? Am I going to go off to Africa? What do I have to do? Do I have to cut my hair? Do I have to wear my hair in a bun? Do I have to take up all my makeup off? Do You're kind of peering in, and you, you just think that Jesus may be the answer to that stone that you have, and Jesus may be the answer to that hole in your heart, and Jesus may be the answer to, to that just something doesn't seem right about your life, and you're, you're, you're looking in, and I want to tell you today that it was not until John stepped into the tomb, the Bible says. It was not until John took a step of faith. It was not until John crossed the threshold that he believed. That he believed. 
And I wonder if there's one person here this morning, there's five people here this morning that you're right here and you're looking in and you're, you, you just maybe, but I don't know and I don't know any of the words to the songs and I don't. Can I encourage you to step into the tomb today? Can I encourage you to take a step of faith today? Can I encourage you to take a step? And once Jesus sees that step of faith, watch some of those questions and watch some of those doubts and watch some of those things start disappearing in your life. You know why the stone was rolled away, don't you? It wasn't rolled away for Jesus to get out. It's no big deal for God to be able to raise Jesus and let him walk through that tomb just like just walk through that rock, excuse me, just like later on that Sunday night, Jesus walked through a door, just straight through a door, it says, in one of the Gospels. But the stone wasn't rolled so Jesus can get out. The stone was rolled so the disciples could go in and believe. And that stone is still rolled away for you today. Would you take a step in and believe? It seems to me, after looking at all the victories and all the defeats that we have as Christians, it seems like to me the victories are for the people that step all the way in and embrace him with heart and soul. And the defeats and the difficulties of this life many times are, come from people that stay right here, or maybe they go one foot in and leave the other foot out. Can I encourage you to be like that young teenager, John? As timid as he was, he needed Peter to go in first, but he still went in, and the scripture says he saw and he believed. Does that fit anybody this morning? Young person? Middle-aged person? Elderly people. Do you know that we, there are elderly people in this church that are 70 and 80 years old that we're still praying they're going to make a profession of faith? Our servers are coming to be able to prepare the elements of communion. What a marvelous first step of faith it would be to step outside of your pew and walk the aisle and get in line and receive what we call the Lord's Supper, communion, Eucharist, whatever you call it in your tradition. And be remembered Christ's death by taking a piece of bread that symbolizes his body and dipping it in a cup which symbolizes his blood. That's a marvelous first step. Maybe you want to be like some people in the first service that were praying around this altar and you just need to pray and talk to the Father about stones in your life and putting your faith into action and, and, and stepping across the threshold and getting all the way in or whatever the Holy Spirit has prompted you. Maybe you want to do both. Maybe you want to be able to receive communion and you also want to be able to come. We've got a large crowd today. We have, we have servers on both sides, and we're going to have two servers here in the middle. Can we have one line, and the line comes up, and the next person would go to either one, which is empty. And it's going to take a little time, but it would be a marvelous first step for some. Father God, we've done this many times, and we will do it many times until you come. And so, Father, we just ask right now that you would bless this time. And I pray for that person right now who's contemplating that first step. Give them grace. 
let them know, as Scripture says, if they draw near to you, you will draw near to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Our tables are open.